Before we get into today's episode, if you're listening to this podcast and you don't know by now, we're here to tell you that hockey has returned to ESPN. The NHL season has started back up, and that means you can stream your team's games on ESPN+. Plus, From the Stanley Cup champion Tampa Bay Lightning to the brand new Seattle Kraken. Subscribe to ESPN+, Plus so you don't miss a goal. In the Crease is presented by ADT. Brilliantly safe. The ESPN NHL podcast with Linda Cohn and Emily Kaplan. Hey, another beautiful day and another day with Emily Kaplan. You're in the crease with us. Hey, Emily, how are you? I'm doing great, Linda. How are you? I'm good. Welcome back from vacay. We'll get into it later. I highly recommend a a one month into the season vacation for anyone who has the luxury of taking it. We put it that way. Yes. I expected to see like a wine bottle uh, looking at you now on your desk somewhere, but I do not see it. So I guess you finished off all the bottles of wine you brought back from Napa. I'm just guessing. Wine was drunk this weekend and uh, it was a sober Monday for me. Just uh, detoxing and catching up on calls. Put it that way. Love it. Some green drinks. I love it. So you're back and we have news from the NHL. For the first time, the league has postponed some games due to uh, COVID. The Ottawa Senators. We knew this was kind of coming because the Ottawa Senators had guys in and out of protocol and a lot of them. But now with 10 players in COVID protocol, the league has stepped in. Three games by the Senators have been suspended. And this is where we are. And now everyone's thinking about the future of Beijing. And we were on top of this last episode, Emily, thinking that will the Olympics be in jeopardy? Will the league pull out? They have that option if they want it. Uh, I heard an interview with Bill Daly. Bill Daly said he didn't make any, say didn't say yes, didn't say no on the heels of the Ottawa Senator news. But I think the league has to see more. And sadly, if there are more postponements and suspensions, well, then they are definitely going to think twice. That's why they have an opt out. Yeah, I'm going to reiterate what I said on the last episode. There's three games postponed right now, in my opinion, based off everything I've heard from what's going on in the league office. That's not enough for them to trigger, hey, we're going to pull players out. The NHL still doesn't want to go to the Olympics, let's be clear. But they made a promise to players, and in good faith, they're going to see it through because the players want to go. Now, if we get to the point where all of a sudden you can't squeeze all of the 82 games in or we're going past right. the windows in June to right. award the Stanley Cup – that is when they're going to do it. And I think the biggest thing we need to worry about right now is with the Ottawa Center situation is how's the health of the guys? What type of symptoms do they have? Because at the end of last season, the Vancouver Canucks had a terrible, terrible up- outbreak. They were shut down for nearly two weeks. It was a variant of the virus and guys were really sick. There was one player who lost a ton of weight. Guys were on IVs. It was really, really scary. And the reason they were shut down so long is because it took them a while to get their feet back and to get their health back and to be at a healthy shape to play in the NHL. Now, was that pre-vaccination? It was pre-vaccination. It was. And so we'll have to see every single player on the Ottawa Senators is vaccinated. In fact, every single player in the league minus one, Tyler Bertuzzi is vaccinated. Um, But we'll see if any of these guys are symptomatic because we have seen even in cases where guys aren't as ill as I described with the Vancouver Canucks, this virus can affect people in different ways. It's a respiratory disease and we'll see where it goes. But as of now, their next game that's scheduled is the 22nd of November. That's a week from today, Monday, they're playing the Colorado Avalanche. Let's hope that game goes on and they can just tack these three games on at some point later in the season, but we shall see. You know, in the last episode, I remember I was saying, is it really fair? 
to uh, say, listen, I said, that's why they have the AHL. That's why they have taxi squads. Mm -hmm. Why do you have to postpone games that affects other teams? So just maybe, I don't know. I'm not there. I don't, I'm not with the Senator's organization. Maybe their medical staff, maybe they believe uh, not only they would have uh, trouble uh, within their own organization, but they would be a danger to the teams they play. So maybe that is the reason why push came to shove and they said better safe than sorry. And we're not even going to take the ice with the opposition and possibly infect them. So maybe they know something I don't know. So I will give them that benefit of the doubt because that's the way I am. Emily. I'm kind of fair sometimes. That's the way I am. I'm kind of fair sometimes. Sometimes. The Linda Cohn story. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Thank you. Title of my new book. I'm kind of fair sometimes. I think. By Linda Cohn. Yeah, uh, you'll probably write that book. I would love to write a book with you, Linda. That would be hilarious. That's on our next agenda uh, as soon as this podcast is over. But um, <laughs> so we'll see what happens. And for all of us hockey fans and people who love hockey, I don't like postponements. And sure, I finally wrapped my head around that these players are going to take a three-week break and going to Beijing and going to the Olympics. I'd rather have them play the season through. Uh, but now... I'm sort of like, don't take a chance. We'll see how it goes. But you brought up a very good point. The league's, uh, you know, mission is the fact that this, if it starts going outside their window of getting everything done in time, meaning a team raising the Stanley Cup and drinking from it, then that's when they're saying, you know what? Hmm, let's think again about Beijing. So we'll keep an eye on that. One so more thing, Dad. I know a lot of people are saying, oh, unnecessary risk. Well, the entire NHL, or at least the All-Stars, are going to go to Las Vegas, Nevada for a three-day inclusive event of All-Star Weekend right before they go to Beijing. Is that the best idea? No. The league is very committed to All-Star Weekend. Heck, we're committed to All-Star Weekend at ESPN. We're broadcasting, and it's going to be great. And I do know that there are some players who express concern to the league, like, hey, I don't want to go and risk getting COVID and then maybe missing that charter to go to Beijing and missing my chance to the Olympics. The league definitely heard those thoughts and concerns. They've been working with the PA. I'm told that they've even looked at alternative hotel options to make sure that players can be safer when they're in Vegas, maybe to insulate them a little bit more. Um, but All-Star is going to happen and it's going to be great. Yeah. And All-Star, keyword league event. Mm -hmm. That's two words. And that <laughs> is something that... That's is something close. They don't want anything ruined. They don't want that canceled. And you brought up the point, the Beijing, the players want to go to the Olympics. That's all about the NHLPA doing right for their players. So that is an interesting dynamic that has to be followed. And because I don't know about you, but uh, this 2021 calendar is zooming along. And before we know it, we're going to reach that point of All-Star Weekend. We're going to reach that point of the Olympics in Beijing. And so I think the calendar is a key uh, situation here because the closer we get to the Olympics and if there are postponements, postponements heading into that, there is no way, not a chance in hell that they're going to Beijing. And we'll see. But very strange. Again, the inconsistency of like, yeah, three days in Las Vegas is, is fine. Just be careful. Six feet distance, masks. I mean, we got to see how it plays out. It just cracks me up. I'm sorry. It just cracks me up. I, it's hard to keep track. It is hard to keep track. Do you know it's hard for me to keep track of? And this is going to be my transition. Your Linda. schedule? My your schedule, schedule. Although I was able to take these three days off, four days off. It was really a Thursday, Friday off. But for me, that took like a lot. And the entire weekend, I went to Sonoma County in California. Great time with my high school friends. Again, 
if you have the luxury of being able to take a couple of days off and just unwind and unplug, um, it does wonders because you have to remember it's a marathon, not a sprint, and your mental health is most important. All of that said, what I have a hard time keeping track of sometimes is the Canadians because I'm so American focused. And so sometimes, Linda, this year I made a concerted effort. I'm not doing that many radio hits. In fact, I'm not going to do any radio hits. It's just too much time suck and I don't get enough out of it. I need to work on my own reporting. But certain guys I love and I can't say no to. So today I went on Canadian radio with Jeff Merrick, whom I adore. And I love the hearing best. what the Canadians are freaking out about these days. You want to guess? Um, that they're not winning? No, the, there's two Canadian teams doing very well. In fact, three are doing very well. Both Alberta teams, I'd say. Well, Vancouver isn't. That's what they're freaking out about, Linda. The Vancouver Canucks. Um, it's panic time in Vancouver. And it's interesting because I feel like this is a fan base that panics a lot. And it's because of yes. the market. And I feel like it since I've covered the league in four years, it's been like full-blown crisis. Of like, what's going to happen to the Vancouver Canucks? It feels like we're nearing that once again. There's a couple interesting things that are going on, though. One, okay, you fire the coach. They just give Travis Green a two-year extension in March. So we've seen that before, though. I get it. I understand that. But we've seen that before when they give guys extensions. But where are you going to turn? What are you going to do? Right. It's the because same old thing. You can't blow up the team. Got to fire the coach. I know. And it sucks. The issue to me, I think, is roster construction. But it seems like ownership has given Jim Benning quite a long leash to do a lot. So I'm not sure if that's the answer. And then I think my biggest issue is, okay, what is the league going towards right now? Young, fast, skilled, talent. The Vancouver Canucks have a bunch of guys that fit that bill. Elias Pedersen, Quinn Hughes, Brock Besser is a guy I have a lot of time for. And if you're not winning when you've got all of that, and you've got the veterans, and you've got the goaltending you think, then like there's a big issue. Yeah, right now for people who are not following the Vancouver Canucks religiously, and I forgive you, uh, you know, as we speak, five, nine, and two, just 12 points on the Seattle Kraken have fewer points in the Pacific Division, and that's bad. Uh, you know, I want to talk also, you know, you're, and you're right about that fan base. Oh, my God. You know, the times I lived in Seattle, Washington, I actually made it up to a few Vancouver Canucks games. They are crazy. They are nutty. They're sort of like, you know, they remind me of on the American version of the Red Sox fans oh. because the world is coming to an end quickly. And then the next thing you know, you win three in a row and you're like, I love this team. They're great. <laughs> they haven't gotten to that point yet. Yeah, they're just flaky. I'm not saying they need to win one in a row. Uh, yeah, I'm not saying the Canucks, uh, you know, can find their way and they can turn it around. But I do. I would not be surprised if Travis Green is a goner despite the new deal. And let me tell you something. Jared Bednar of the Colorado Avalanche is lucky that Nathan McKinnon is hurt. Uh, and, you know, and I know that's a strange statement. Why would a coach want their best player hurt? And Gabriel Landeskog off and on hurt. Uh, it's because his job security. That's why. Uh, I don't know who you bring in, but this is unheard of. The abs was supposed to wipe the competition away. I mean, this was the year. They were supposed to be the learning, learning experience, right, that we talked about from last year's debacle loss, you know, type of thing in the playoffs. So um, Travis Green comes to mind for Vancouver, and Jared Bednar right now has a pass. But I'm going to follow the abs closely. I picked them to win the Stanley Cup. I wasn't alone. But, you know, that's another thing. You got it. The coach situation is a big deal. I just don't understand. Here's the mystery of life. Emily, you're journalism. You know everything about doing your due diligence. How does, in one year, players respond to a head coach? They speak the same language. And the very next year, they don't. How does it happen so quickly? 
I wonder these things of how things can happen this quickly. Like how can the Ducks bring back the exact same team that was dreadful last year and then all of a sudden look like a playoff team just because like, oh, Troy Terry is the second coming of Conrad David all of a sudden? I don't know. Like it, it's interesting to me because it's been the same voice there in Dallas Eakins the last couple of years, the same leadership group of Ryan Getzlov, the same issues with John Gibson being the only guy back there. And then all of a sudden the rest of the team catches up. So I don't know the answer to that. I would say I would cut the Colorado Avalanche a little slack because it's not just McKinnon. They have been dealt with some rough injury luck. And now the latest is that JT Comfer, a very important depth piece for them. And remember depth scoring is going to be their biggest issue this year is out for another month, but that's an interesting situation. And when I covered that game, uh, when I had the Avs game, uh, end of October, we talked to Jared Bednar in our off the record chat. He's talking about Nathan McKinnon. Cause I said, you know, the last time we saw Nathan McKinnon was the end of last year in that press conference where he was pissed and he looked yeah. like he was just fed up with losing. And how has his attitude been this year? And Jared was like, you know, he's really understood that it's a process. And I think he might've said process because he's Canadian, but it's a process and he's really bought into that. And I wonder with the abs this year, if this early adversity, if what they're selling them on right now is look, this is all part of the process. And you've got to gut through it and gut through these injuries because we need a win. Yeah. They need to tread water, but right now they're below, they're sinking. They're, they're, you know, they're like grasping for air because they're not even close to being in playoff position. I know we haven't hit American Thanksgiving yet, which is always seems to be the barometer. It's crazy but, how many um, people in front offices actually talk about that, though. Like, we, we roll our eyes see? and laugh. I know. But they talk, talk about American Thanksgiving all the time. And I love how they have to qualify it as American Thanksgiving, because let's face it, it's the only Thanksgiving you and I care about. Uh, yeah, it's a, but then again, I'll eat at anybody's Thanksgiving. Yeah. So the Canadians want to have us in October. I'll come. Yeah, exactly. Um, the Seattle Kraken. I had picked them to make the playoffs. Now I look silly. Uh, Ron Francis, the GM, heard an interview with him today. He is not happy. He knew that his team perhaps was going, he didn't say it in these words, we all knew it, that they were going to be offensively challenged. The first few games of the season, yes, they made us all look smart. They were offensively challenged. <laughs> but guess what, Emily? The last two weeks, last four, five, six games, they, maybe even longer, actually, maybe eight games. They've had no trouble putting the puck in the net. And yeah, they are, I mean, it's the goaltending and it's the defense, the two strengths that we all thought would keep the Seattle Kraken in games, make them competitive, be able to battle. Well, they haven't been there. Philip Grubauer is the biggest mystery to me. It's not mm. like the Avalanche when he was with them. We're not talking about the greatest defense of all time with the Avalanche. Yes, they were better than the Krakens. We knew that they were solid, okay? We know it. We know the names. We know they were solid. But Grubauer comes to Seattle, and a lot of these goals are on him. That offense has been average. They've been scoring four goals a game, like I think in nine of their last 13 games. It's the goals against that has been a big issue. And I've watched a lot of these cracking games. You know, I'm on the West Coast. They, they are intriguing to me, this team, expansion team. I lived in Seattle. Uh, we all love their logo and their jerseys. But Philip Grubauer, too many five-hole goals allowed, too many goals where he's given up some juicy rebounds and can't recover. If you look at, if you made a top 10 of dis disappointing players early on, I think Philip Grubauer is in my top five. I, he, he's not battling through these games. He started all but two of these games. Chris Drieger has been hurt, came in, uh, started one game and been in mop-up duty for another one. Um, I'm shocked. I thought this was going to be one of the best goalie tandems in the league and it doesn't look that way now.
it's funny because you're right. We were all saying, well, they built from the net out and that's their strength. And it's really weird to look at the stats and see the only team that's allowed more goals per game than them is the Arizona Coyotes, who might be the worst team ever. They're really bad, Linda. I don't know if you've seen any yes, of the games. They're they've not, won one game. Yeah, they're not good. But they're not supposed to be good. This is all by design and they're really good at not being good because their ownership basically gave their new GM, Bill Armstrong, full credit and says, tear this thing down, buy draft picks if you have to, which they kind of have through some loopholes. Um, let's build this up the right way. And unfortunately, Jacob Chikrin, who was a fantastic guest of the podcast, we had him on early. He talked about the dress code. Just he's supposed to be their one star. He's the one player that's like untouchable on the roster. And even he hasn't looked that great. It's hard to be good on a losing team, though. That's bad. You know, it, it's hard. It is. Plus, when you, you know, you play in a place where you could be on vacation, it's also hard, you know, because, you know, they play in Arizona and Scottsdale is right nearby. Stop pretty much. for another vacation, Linda. I just got back from I one. know. Exactly. And I'm glad you are back. Uh, Emily? Yeah? The floor is yours. Okay, Linda. I'll tell you what's on the floor. The last thing the Canadians wanted to talk about today, obviously, Connor McDavid. And like... It's funny because the conversation is no longer what the narrative was last year, which is like, do we have to take CL Team 6 into Edmonton and get Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl out of there? Because the rest of the team looks damn good around them. It's funny that like Jeff was asking me, he was like, you know, have you noticed anything different in, in Connor's demeanor? And I was like, look, Jeff, on my top five watchability rankings of the teams that like I'm flipping around and I see they're on and I'm going to watch they're up there for me, the Edmonton Oilers. It's like them, Carolina, Florida. I always tune into their games. The top oh. bottom five watchability rankings for press conferences, Connor McDavid. I'm not listening to one word that guy says because nothing interesting is going to come out of his mouth. That said, on the Iceland, don't you know, like that goal where he skated through four New York Rangers defender, we're going to be talking Again, about that for eternity. Yeah, we are. His face on the goal was just pure joy. And it looks like he's enjoying hockey again. Like it's no longer a chore. And that's all I hope for him. Okay. I'm sorry. I had to bring that up again, but uh, uh, <laughs> I'll bring it up every episode. Now you're right. His expression. It was almost like, you know, it, that like that goal came in the postseason. the way, how happy he was, but, uh, and we're still waiting for those kind of goals in the postseason. And to our colleagues point, John Tortorella, Ooh, that was uh, a Torts got point. onto the skin. Yeah. Torts got on the skin of everyone. And I mean, everyone probably uh, including, you know, Jeff Marrick, who you, you were on the air with, um, is the fact that he, he insisted that Connor McDavid was going to have to change his game. And, uh, you know, I love torts, but uh, I don't go 100% in on that. When you tell the best player in the game that he has to change his game, to torts' credit, he did say Alex Ovechkin changed the way he played, and then he ended up winning a Stanley Cup. So, I, uh, you know, torts knows a lot more about hockey than I do, obviously. Uh, Stanley Cup winning coach, the whole thing. We know Torts' resume, but I don't, I do understand how people got upset with Torts regarding that statement, regarding that comment. Before the season began, I thought Connor McDavid had a chance to break the 150 point plateau. I wasn't 100% in, but it was a good talking point. Now I look at his teammate, Leon Dreisaitl, who nobody talks about first. No, he's on don't. pace. The, he's on pace, Emily. For like 175 points. And they should because it's alphabetical. It's absolutely insane. From now on, I'm going to make a concerted effort to be like Leon Dreisaitl and Connor McDavid and the Edmonton Oilers. Leon gets first billing in my book. Well, I said I said on SportsCenter the other night with Neil Everett when I popped on to talk about the first month of hockey, I told him the duo of Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl is not only the best tandem in hockey, 
but it's the most must-watch, must-see tandem in all of professional sports. And so then, of course, Neil and I went into, oh, like Lennon and McCartney, like Simon and Garfunkel, like, you know. We like Linda and Emily. Like Ellen and Emily. I like that. I like that. So, but, but that's, and that's what you try to sell to a casual hockey fan or a person that maybe is just new to the game. And you just say, listen, if you watch one thing, just watch these two guys, Connor McDavid and Leon Trisettle or Leon Trisettle and Connor McDavid. You know, it's interesting, Emily. It's hard to talk about what all of Canada likes because actually they're the type meaning let's put it this way i'm a new york girl right i love the rangers you love the rangers even though you're from new jersey okay it doesn't even though mean, i keep bringing up that Connor mcdavid goal <laughs> yes but it doesn't i know you never know that you're a ranger fan but anyway here's the thing okay people from canada who are hockey fans Let's say there's like when the Winnipeg Jets were making a run for the Stanley Cup final. That doesn't mean the entire country of Canada is rooting for They're the Winnipeg Canada's Jets. Team. People, it was last Thank year you. in the Stanley Cup final when the Montreal Canadiens were in. And I think there were some American news stations that were like, oh, Canada's team. And people in Toronto were like, we're not rooting for these guys. Of course People not. in Vancouver, they're not rooting for the Montreal Canadiens. Like, people in Edmonton, they're not rooting for the Montreal Canadiens. And the Montreal Canadiens are not going to be rooting for the Edmonton Oilers. Oh, and especially the Calgary Flames are not going to be rooting at any time for anything that the Edmonton Oilers ever do. So there it is. Mic drop. And what no one in Chicago will be rooting for with the city I live is for the St. Louis Blues to do well. But guess what? They are. As we record yeah. this, they've, won, they've lost three straight, but they're one of the teams that has really surprised me this year. And one of the big players on that team is Colton Pareko, literally big. He's a very tall defenseman, um, but he's so important to them and has really shouldered those number one minutes after Alex Petrangelo left and found out this week that Colton Pareko is launching a foundation, Project 55, that's his number, and it's all about kids in the hospitals in St. Louis, and it was inspired by a special friendship he had with Layla Anderson that was so publicized when the Blues won the Stanley Cup. She was a young girl who was sick, going through something, and just created this. It wasn't like a cancer patient player type relationship. It was a true friendship with Colton. She was around all the time. It was so special to see. So we decided to call up Colton and ask about what he's up to. I'm super excited about this. He is a defenseman for the St. Louis Blues, Colton Pareko. And Colton, um, we want to talk to you about this foundation you're about to launch. And specifically, I know it involves a children's hospital. And you, during the Stanley Cup run for the St. Louis Blues, became pretty close with Layla Anderson, who was that super special fan that was kind of your good luck charm the entire run. So I just wanted to ask you how your relationship with her came to be and what it's like now. Yeah, it was kind of kind of funny. I mean, I met her my first year actually without even knowing. Um, she's been a Blues fan for a long time. We just had an autograph session after uh, one of the games and she was there. Uh, and then unfortunately, a few years later, obviously she was sick and um, we ended up having these Halloween um, events at the rink for kids that can't really go around trick-or-treating and they might, might not be able to go to houses and stuff uh, and things like that. So uh, she was there and we just ended up linking up and kind of just going to the different stations together and grabbing a bunch of candy and, and toys and stuff like that. So um, I don't know, we just kind of clicked just right then and there and just throughout the whole day. And then um, just whenever you'd see her at the game and stuff and um, we just kind of stayed in touch and then just throughout the season and whatnot, we went kind of went and visited her a few times and stuff like that at the hospital. And there were some obviously difficult times when she was in isolation for, 
for a long, long time when she wasn't able to leave, leave her hospital room at all, just because of, of what was going on. And I think, um, kind of, if she was around in when they were nervous, she was going to get sick. So she was only allowed like two visitors at a time. I think maybe her grandpa or I think her dad had to leave the room or something, somebody just so I could go in and, and say hello and, um, do some wee bowling and stuff like that. But, um, I don't know. We just had a special connection. And then it was kind of, she was at the hospital and we were kind of not doing so great. I think we were last place in the league. So we were kind of both kind of in had kind of not great areas or great spots at the time. And all of a sudden she started getting better and we started winning. I think we went on an 11 game win streak and um, I don't know. We kind of, it was weird. It was almost like parallels. Like she was kind of in a really hard spot. We were in a tough spot with where our season was and, they kind of just matched up perfectly. And all of a sudden we both kind of just started getting better and better and uh, kind of, we made the playoffs. Uh, and then that was kind of when she was really kind of seeing, getting over what she was kind of where she was at. And then uh, I, I still remember asking if she was gonna be able to come to the, the next round of playoffs, if, if we made it there. So it's so like, yeah, if you guys make it, then we, then I'll be there for sure. So it was pretty special because I mean, she was in isolation for, I want to say six months, which is, a really long time if you think about it um just being in one one hospital room so uh it was pretty exciting for both of us and then like it just seemed like we both kind of were just kind of there for each other through each other's battles and which made it fun and at the end obviously she's she's doing really well and obviously we end up winning so uh she was at game seven on the ice after we won and stuff like that so just the whole story was so much fun and um just to kind of see her just her attitude throughout the whole thing was really impressive too you know, Colton, I mean, you're being really humble because, you know, we all know how you connected with her. A lot of players connect with sick kids, right? But you took it to another level. Can you tell me, like, where does that come from? Uh, I don't really know. I just think I really enjoy the, I don't know, I just, ever since I've been here and I've had the chance to, like, visit hospitals and stuff, I always just get, like, a good personal satisfaction, I guess, from just putting a smile on a kid's face or something like that. Like just, I remember the first time I left the hospital one time when I visited that the parent told me that their kid hasn't smiled in like six months or something like this. And just like that really stuck with me and um, just little things like that, that just really stick with me. And ever since then, that, since then I just kind of like gets you hooked. I just want to like make you put another smile on someone else's face that can hopefully change their day, change their week, change their month. And um, for me, I think that's just the coolest part is, is, not necessarily like a monetary, like a money thing. It's more like giving the kids of experience where they can take their time or their mind off of what's going on in their world. And maybe even their family or their brothers and their sisters too. Um, I think that that's kind of the biggest thing for me and what I've get the most, what I enjoy the most out of it is, is that kind of thing. And um, I, I mean, I have so many different stories already just in my years here of just times at the hospital of their families that, are just so grateful families that are crying on you and stuff like that. And um, for it just, I don't know, I just couldn't imagine like what it's like for, for those families and, and those kids. So um, ever since then, I've just really, I just, you just get an appreciation for really what, where we are. And I mean, obviously I get, I'm pretty lucky to play a game that I love for a living. And I mean, some days I have bad days and I go to the rink and I'm all pissed off and or I leave the rink pissed off if we have a loss or whatever, and I play bad, but, you go to the hospital and you get like a whole new perspective on life. So, I mean, and it's so right that this puts everything in perspective. Just tell us a little bit about your foundation and what you hope to do with it. Yeah. So I think my goal was mainly to uh, 
just provide a lot of different experiences for kids, um, like from my perspective, at least. So I was trying to launch it a couple of years ago where I was going to have kids and their families come to the rink and be able to see them after the games and stuff like that and sign jerseys or whatever for them. But obviously with COVID, it's had to kind of shift a little bit. So um, we're still going to do kids coming to the games. It's transformed a little bit with doing video messages to them and their families before the games instead of getting to see them. But um, they're still going to be able to come to the game. The Blues have helped me out. They're going to put the kids in the penalty box for warm-ups and I think they're going to offer a Zamboni ride. So just like, <laughs> nice. they've been really awesome with that stuff to kind of make it uh, easy on my part uh, to, to give those kids a fun experience. So um, I think from my perspective, I think that that's what I really want to do is kind of provide fun experiences. And um, so I've kind of got some, a package for the season for families to come and to different games and um, let them kind of get away from the hospital, let them get away from kind of their norm obviously, which is, is not, not great. And uh, just have some fun and have a night out that hopefully they can be, be talking about at the, at the hospital, talking about whenever and give them a smile. Um, but other than that, I think also just raise awareness and um, hopefully I can help out contribute to this year. We're going to do the Ronald McDonald House and Children's Hospital and Blues for Kids. So hopefully I can just provide back a little bit for them also. And hopefully that they can use kind of what I've am able to generate and use it for good areas. The Children's Hospital is talking about like Childlife services where they have areas like for video gaming in the hospital and for um, teachers to come in and help the students and things like that. So uh, I kind of want to try to like focus on little things that are kind of you kind of I don't know if get your hands on would be the right word, but kind of more experience based, I guess. So, yeah, that's kind of yeah. my goal is to is yeah. kind of direct in those those areas for sure. If people want to find out more information about it, what should they do? Where should they go? Yeah, just on the website. Um there's an Instagram too that has the link to the website as well. It's just project 55. Colton, I want to ask you a question about the blues. Um, Linda and I did a season preview episode and we covered central division. I remember exactly what I said about you guys. I'm having a hard time getting excited about the St. Louis blues this season. I did not think you guys were going to be <laughs> right. good. Obviously I'm eating my words as we're talking here. You lost three straight, but it's been a pretty great start. I mean, firstly, when I tell that to you that people were thinking I'm having a hard time getting excited about the blues, what do you think? Why do you think I thought that? And what's going on inside the room that's different. Yeah. Um, obviously we, I think struggled at the end of last season, maybe um, obviously we didn't go out the right way that we wanted to. Maybe that was still there. And I think that that people always remember that. And I think our division is a really tough division. Obviously we have a lot of good, a lot of very good teams yeah. in our division and um, it, it's going to be tough to make the playoffs. And um, so, I mean, it, it's, it's, uh, <laughs> it's hard to make the playoffs in our division. There's so many good teams and I think it's, it's easy to say that there's a lot of good teams that won't make the playoffs in our division. So um, there's no easy games for us and there's no, no games you can take off. Cause I think there's going to be a, a tight race near the end. Obviously we kind of see teams like Colorado right now who are. <laughs> you're ahead of them. Yeah. I mean, you're doing better than Colorado. They were supposed to wipe out everybody. Yeah. But I think it's just, you, you look at teams like that, that have a lot of firepower and, Obviously, they had some injuries in COVID at the beginning of the season, so maybe they missed out on some points early on. But they're still a really good team. They're dangerous every time you play them. So um, the season is so long. Obviously, we got off to a great start, but uh, we just gotta we gotta keep it going. I mean, it's uh, we have a a good, a good veteran team. I think you might. I I, I want to say that we're maybe not the fanciest team out there either. Um, maybe that's why you you also said that we're we're a team that likes to get pucks in deep. We kind of grind teams down. We get pucks to the net and, and just work hard more or less. I think we're kind of a, a work-based team and um, 
that's that's just how we how we kind of go about it. I'm sold now. I'm excited now, to be clear. Yeah. Okay. She's <laughs> excited. I want to ask you about one of your teammates, uh, Vladimir Tarasenko. He's off to a really decent start uh, for him. What's he like as a yeah, teammate? Yeah, he's awesome. I've, uh, I mean, obviously I've been lucky to play with him now. It's his seventh year and I've always really enjoyed playing with him. He's a, uh, he's a really good teammate. Um, he's always, he's every time at the rink, he's always in a good mood. He's a great guy to be around. He's always, um, He's always offered help to me, especially in my younger years, and he's, he's guided me along the way. And um, I, I can't say enough good things about him as a teammate. And um, I'm still glad that uh, we obviously have him. He's, he's off to a really good start, like you mentioned. And um, he's a great player. He's both player and person. It's just a great guy to have. All right, last one for me, Colton. Again, I know we're early, and I'm going to make you talk about yourself, which is what hockey players hate, but. What's one thing you're specifically proud of in the way that you've played early this season? And what's one thing that you've been frustrated with or that you feel like you got some room to improve? Um, I think the way that we came out in the start of the season, obviously, um, we had a really good start. Got some early points in, into the bank there, which was nice. Um, I think with that being said, we have a lot of good things that we can grow off of too from those games. And then just, I guess, easy to say these last few games, last little week has been a little frustrating. Um, it's always easy to say things are going good when you're winning and everybody's happy at the rink. So um, it's, it's been a little frustrating, but we've learned a lot. These games are all close. We've played two really good teams this weekend, Carolina and Edmonton, and they're both one, one goal games and um, should have possibly had some points in both. Uh, that's just the beauty of our game. It always keeps you humble. always keeps you honest, I think, and makes it, uh, makes it fun. Who's the best team you've seen so far? Pardon? Who's the best team you've seen so far? Uh, that's a good question. Honestly, I thought Winnipeg was actually really, really good. They played us really hard. They're surging. I think they got, yeah. I think they got a good combination good. Uh, skill and speed and, and guys getting down there and working hard. And I think they, they got a really good team. Sadly, they're in your division <laughs> and they're streaking right now. <laughs> I know. All the tough teams to be in our oh, division. Yeah. That's okay. There's a lot of good teams and you're going to have to get through right, everybody. Got, yeah, that's okay. More challenges. Uh, yeah. And, you know, like even teams that you didn't like, not you personally, but I didn't think yeah. it was going to be that great. Yeah. Uh, Nashville is competing exactly. as well, you know, so you just never, ever know. Right. So, um, I got one uh, like Jordan Binning, Binnington to me, yeah. the binner, you know, he's just amazing. Like he, he's like the second coming yeah. of Ron Hextall. You know, he is like, doesn't take any crap. Can you talk to me about Jordan Binnington and what's he's about? Yeah, he's, <laughs> he's funny. Uh, he's really quiet and he's just, he's, uh, he's really, I don't know what the right, like not bought in, but he's really focused on game days and really even just on practice days too. He's always at the rink and really, He's sharp. He's always, he's always on it. Um, practice or game days. Yeah. Does he box in his spare I don't time? Know. Colton? Like, Does he box in his spare time? He I mean, box for, like say a ton <laughs> or like anything. He's he's just always sharp, like I said. And then all of a sudden you'll see some some things on the ice, like like we've seen. And then we're like, oh, it's kind of you don't really think that that's gonna come. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's funny when you see, see I guess things <laughs> like that because he's super quiet, super calm um just easy going and I don't know it's it's funny I guess he's just a competitor I guess is, is I guess what you can say Colton thank you so much for joining us congrats on the yeah, launch of your foundation you. and um 
I got two games between the benches with you guys, oh, you November did? 26th and November 30th. So okay. my goal is I really want a black eye. So if there's like a timeout, the whistle blows, if you just want to like loft one to me, because it would give me credibility and not like a super hard slap shot, I'd be very grateful. Pretend to flip your pocket and miss it. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> yeah, oh, perfect. Ideal. <laughs> Thank you, Colton. I'm looking forward to seeing you. Thank you, Colton. Best of luck. Yeah, Thank you guys very much for the time. Our thanks to Colton Pareko and Linda. Yes. How about that? The one Canadian team no one's talking about. The Winnipeg Jets. Best team that Colton Pareko's seen this year. There it is. It wasn't the Edmonton Oilers. It wasn't the Carolina Hurricanes. It's the Winnipeg Jets. With those sharpshooters, Kyle Connor, that guy never misses the net. Okay. He's the most underrated player in the league. I thought it was Nikolai Ehlers, but it's actually Kyle Connors. But Nick Ehlers is fabulous. He's a great playmaker. And also, let's not forget Shifley, who had injuries, suspensions, and he was off to a slow start. He's beginning to heat up. And oh, by the way, your favorite goalie, Connor Hellebuck, is in the net for that team. He is my favorite goalie. And do you know how underrated Kyle Connor is? He's so underrated that I call him Kyle Connors. I can't even get his name right. <laughs> All right, All right, Linda, what are you up to this week? What am I up to this week? Uh, uh, cut-ins during our uh, broadcasts on ESPN Plus. On I Tuesday love night. when I hear those. I love when I'm listening to the game and it's like, now on to Linda. Yeah, thank you. And then, of course, Wednesday and Thursday night hosting In the Crease on ESPN Plus. Get your greatest highlights, best hockey highlight show nightly on ESPN Plus after all the games are over. How about you, Em? Honestly, that show is the best. I watch it all of the time. And because I can't watch all of the games at once. Like, that's the dirty secret of this job and in fact i can't watch a lot of games so it's the only way i can catch up and feel like i'm actually knowing what's going on in the games the night before so you should watch in the crease if you don't already and you can watch it anytime that's the thing it's the beauty of espn plus you watch it when you wanna and I'll, i don't sit there and bore everyone we get right to the chase so here we go here are the highlights i took it on a walk this morning around the neighborhood i was just watching espn plus yeah there it is off and around i know um i'll be on the point on wednesday with john tortorella where i cannot oh. wait off camera to ask him about the reaction he received from the hockey world world after those comments went viral uh that's on wednesday i can't wait to hear that response from john tortorella what do you mean emily oh, it might be less fewer words than that when he answers you don't worry guys i am going there with a very specific mission to get that anecdote and to bring it back to you good um, i can't wait for that on thursday yeah so that's pretty much what i've got going till thursday so you'll hear it here first okay before we let you go we want you all to go please check out swagu and perk a new espn podcast led by its namesake host former nfl veteran and analyst marcus spears he's swagu and nba champion and analyst kendrick perkins perk with new episodes every Tuesday morning, Spears and Perkins will bring listeners the latest NBA and NFL news, as well as a look inside their lives, career journey with can't-miss conversations, and welcome in top sports and celebrity guests. That's Swagoo and Perk. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.